fair maidens. My fair maidens, <laughs> my ladies, my girls, my wondrous winter witches. Ooh. Happy winter, everybody. I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm Zach Stafford. And you are listening to Vibe Check, Winter Wonderland edition, I guess. <laughs> Winter, Winter Wonderland, Wonderland edition. edition. Yes. Ooh, let it go? No, we won't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not letting it go. We got grudges, bitch. <laughs> this week, we are going to talk about two, frankly, very high-stakes stories. And we're just fascinated by them. And we think they have huge implications for many of us. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk first about the many recent lawsuits that have been filed against celebrities like P. Diddy, Eric Adams, Axel Rose. I'm sure you've heard about some of them. You might understandably be wondering, wait, why is all this happening at the same time? There's a reason for that, and we'll talk about Mm -hmm. it and its implications. And also, we're going to talk about, look, okay, let me preface this. (laughs) (laughs) You're fit. You like geared up. You like mounted up up. Uh (laughs) Any given week. For about the last year and a half that we've been doing the show, we understandably could have talked about Elon Musk. I call him Mm -hmm. Elon Musty. But, you know, as with people, frankly, like Donald Trump, who I think he has increasingly a lot in common with, it's kind of like, do you want to make these people the center of your world, your editorial mind? You know what I mean? They're just constantly doing stuff. But we're just over a year in into a year and a month yeah yeah, a year and a month into elon's tenure and tyranny at the site (laughs) formerly known as twitter so we thought this in particular would be a good time to kind of look back how's it going where are we going how bad is it going spoiler alert bad yeah not well not well bad we'll get into it we'll get into it (laughs) but you know there's a lot there and so we're so this we're going all in we're going all in on elon musk this week but before we get into that let us all prepare ourselves take a moment you've been warned put on your emotional parkas because it's it's about (laughs) to get cold (laughs) we're going to the depths Uh, but first before we do all of that friends how are you doing zach my love how are you I'm so good. I had such a good holiday. It felt like a holiday. I don't know if y'all felt mm. the same, but it felt it long. Like it felt like Saturday every day for many days. You went somewhere, never... right? I went to Arizona. So I was in Arizona. My boyfriend has family there and we were there with him. It was really wholesome okay. and lovely. It was great. We drove oh, there. Aw. But what I really want to talk about is we drove back Saturday because I I love family, but I was like, I need a day. I need time. Yeah. And I was like, I really want to go to the movies because there's so many movies out. And I decided to go to the Chinese theater. And as I'm Pulling Mm. in, I see all of these lights. And I was like, who's having a premiere tonight? And then it hits me, Beyonce is having a premiere (gasps) tonight. (gasps) I was like, I am not dressed for a Beyonce (gasps) premiere. Like, at all. Uh, Were you going to get in there? Could you have no, gotten in? No, but that's even more oh. embarrassing. But I like but you're like even just movie, driving, driving by the Beyonce premiere <laughs> yeah. in sweatpants. I, yeah, I was like, I am truly not dressed to be seen by anybody. But now, you know, we all know people that went to the premiere. We did not go, sadly. I knew if if this was happening, I would run into people I know and it would be really like, oh, I'm not going in. Sorry. So I arrive. Traffic is a mess. I get inside. And guess who actually is having an event there? Because Beyonce was, but that was at a different theater in LA. But guess who's having an event? Matt Reif. So have y'all been following this <gasps> Matt You know Reif. what? <laughs> I just thought of a oh, nickname no. for this man. Ooh. What? The dark-sided Ken doll. The dark-sided. He looks like a Ken doll, but evil. 
If you're not familiar, Matt Reif is a comedian that has become quite popular because of TikTok. But he had a Netflix special. And I have never seen a Netflix special outside of Dave Chappelle have so much anger at someone. And now everyone's questioning, why did we make him so famous? Well, he was joking about domestic violence. You know, his start was doing the whole crowd work thing that's popular on TikTok. He was an asshole in all those videos. Actually, his start before, because you're right, TikTok was his boom and introduced him to a lot of other people. But before all of this, his big break was on Wild and Out with Nick Cannon. And I raised this because it's very significant. And you, you don't have to dig very hard to find this. You will find a clip where Zendaya is a guest and he tries to hit on her and she's like nope like he tries to use like on stage you know and he she's just like fully like no thanks his comedy is mean to women and he somehow managed to become one of the biggest comedians in the land with a black scent, by the way. The whole with thing is just like, what black is it, It's all a mess. Mm. And guess who was not in line to see him? Black people. It was all like white people <laughs> from the valley. Gag. <laughs> Reporting like, from the happening? street. I Reporting just... from the street. Anyway, so I had to get that off my chest. It just to go from, oh my God, will I see Beyonce to, oh my God, it's Matt Reif is an emotional roller coaster yeah. I never want to be on again. Anyway, Said, how was your break? How are you doing? My break was good. I feel great. Over the break, I, I basically have been in New York for two weeks. We did some some behind-the-scenes vibe check work. We got yeah, to tape an episode yeah. together, so it's always fun to, yeah. to be with y'all live and in color. And then I did Thanksgiving with my friend Teddy and his family in the Berkshires, and that was eventful but lovely. And then it was my birthday, and, and my friends took such good care of me. I feel so loved. Uh, it's been, you know, a turbulent year, really, for all of us. You know, pick a reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, certainly a birthday is an opportunity to reflect, maybe reset, maybe reclaim. And I'm just, I'm feeling cozy. I just, yeah, I, I'm really happy and excited about the future, working on some things that I hope I'll be able to share with people, you know, in the coming months. But, yeah, I feel a glow from within. It's Sagittarius season. You're welcome. I'm at the height of the my powers. The only sign with a weapon. <laughs> at the height of my powers. Oh, it is the only Saeed. sign with the weapon. It is the only sign with a weapon, <laughs> wow. which is so wow. perfect. <laughs> I forget who texted it, but in the group chat, one of us texted Saeed happy birthday, and his response was, you're welcome. Yep. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Happy birthday. I'm the gift. I'm the gift. <laughs> you are the gift. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, but yeah, it just... It just you don't need me to tell you it's hard out here, as I've already mentioned, but just as a reminder, you know, when when the joy comes, even if it's a brief respite, the laughter, the love, the pretty flower you notice while you're walking on the way, you know, to pay your rent. If you see it, you see it and you seize upon that joy and you Damn. hold on to it for as long as you can. I believe that's one of the messages of Sagittarius season. So yeah, it's good to I be here that. with you. I love it. And you're welcome, my loves. <laughs> Sam, how are you? <laughs> I'm very good. You know, this last week, Thanksgiving week, I was expecting a horrible week. Mm. Thanksgiving was my family's biggest holiday growing Mm -hmm. up and my mother's Mm -hmm. favorite holiday growing up. Real. She passed away this June. But as a kid, she would host these epic Thanksgiving extravaganzas. She outsourced all the cooking because, like, no, she wouldn't do it. Okay. Uh, Women in STEM. I love it. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Black women in STEM. We love that. But we'd have some Thanksgivings at the house when I was a kid where I'd be like, 25, 30 people. And then we'd finish eating and then someone would start playing music and then we'd be Mm. jamming. It it was just like a day of beauty. So I was very worried about how I would feel 
this first Thanksgiving with her gone. Okay. Uh, so what happened, long story short, my Aunt Betty came for the whole week, stayed with me at the house. She baked three pound cakes for me and my Okay, family. I was about to ask, what did she bake? Yes. Okay. Yes, I got okay. some in the freezer for y'all next time you're here. Seriously, oh. I need some slices yes. for you. Yes, yeah. Yes. And she was just, it was an honor and a joy to be with her this week because... She was feeling that loss a lot as well. I think my mother and Betty were the closest of the six siblings in their generation. Mm. Anywho, long story short, we ended up doing Thanksgiving dinner on the day with a good friend of mine. Uh, Y'all know her, Tracy Thomas of Mm. the Stacks Book Podcast. Love her. I knew that I wanted to be with at least some people outside of my family Mm -hmm. the day of Thanksgiving, just so that it wasn't like all of us were in a room talking about my dead mom for three hours and then like yeah. stopping you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. so tracy and that dinner just elevated my vibe so much oh. such a lovely family amazing people and she did the sweetest thing after she and her sister-in-law finished making all of the things and were ready to sit down in lieu of like a formal grace she had us all gather in the kitchen and she thanked everyone for being there and she thanked those who couldn't be there including mm. my mother it was the mm. sweetest oh. thing that's so she didn't have to do it. She's never met my mother. But that kind of love shown this past Thanksgiving week by folks who are not my family made it a most wonderful week. So my yeah. vibe is feeling supported by community and feeling grateful that I made it through this holiday that could have been a tragic week. But it was actually pretty great. And let me tell you the truth about Tracy Thomas. She can cook. Really. Okay. Okay. Fucking okay. cook. Okay. Gosh. And she's one of those people she where she's just not incredible. She's incredible. <laughs> she's not one of those people who's like wedded to one type of food. Uh-huh. She's wedded to finding the best recipe and then executing. So wow. she'll do whatever you need. And on this Thanksgiving day, her and her sister-in-law made the whole thing. They had a spreadsheet of all the times for the ovens. And before they began Dang. the day of cooking, they went to Orange Theory. Thanksgiving work. I'm obsessed. I mean, I'm obsessed. a machine. I'm we, shook. Uh, I mean, machine. okay, Tracy, she's an excellent reader. Her podcast, The Stacks, is excellent. She's an excellent interviewer. I talked to her about that she a lot. She used to be a spin she's, instructor. She yeah, can do it all. Spin instructor. She's beautiful. Stunning. She's a good gossip. She's a good yes. gossip, which is an unappreciated yes. skill. And now to find out she's a good cook too, damn. So much. Wow. Y'all, Some people have it all. She they did the really damn thing. And, but Sam, I have to say something, and I think our listeners should also take this to heart as well. I'm so proud of what you did. You did a thing that I've been talking a lot about privately with with people is I will say, thank you past self for taking care of future me. Whenever I do Mm. something that in the moment, I'm like, wow, I'm glad I pulled my resources. I called that person. I took care in a moment where in which I know me and I know that was going to be really tough. And not many people do that. Mm. And I think that's just so incredible to hear that you said to yourself, this may be tough. I'm going to call people I love. They're going to make me feel good and Beautiful. safe and invite them in. I think in more people, you have that around you, hopefully. And, and please access that, yeah. everybody, during hard no, times. No, and it was so sweet. Thank you. And like, that's really what happened. Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that, Zach. I literally was like, I need something for Thanksgiving. I'm not mm-hmm. sure what it was. So I texted friends who I know who are in town. And Tracy was like, oh, come on by the house. I love it that. It was so sweet. And just that simple gesture means so much. Yeah. Just Beautiful. saying, come on by. When people reach out, just saying, come on by. It means a lot, says a lot, does a lot. Anywho, Tracy, we obviously love you. We love you, Tracy. And we love you too, Sam. For many people, the holiday season is a gauntlet. It's like, it's like Thanksgiving is just like the first part. So that's, that's helpful to kind of keep in mind. It's like sometimes bring in more help. 
You know, you know that yes. is a perfectly reasonable mm-hmm. and, in fact, brilliant thing to do. Call on your friends. Mm-hmm. So I love that. Okay, so we have so much to talk about. Of course, last week's episode, Matthew Desmond, author of Poverty by America, the legend, the icon that he is, the poverty abolitionist that he is. Your questions were so great. We are glad you enjoyed the episode as well. We did have one correction from one of our listeners because as Matt pointed out, he was like, Whew, they're not they're not messing around. Nope. I remember at one point he's like, Yeah, I'm worried they're about to ask me about the footnotes. Like it was, <laughs> it was getting, I was like, it's getting graduate school up in here. This thoughtful note comes from Anna. She writes, Hi, friends. Just one quick correction to a great point Matt Desmond made about using your own power of purchase to impact poverty, which was to say, and this is kind of a back and forth with Sam, thinking about, you know, the brands that we support, you know, with our dollars, trying to make sure fair wages, working conditions. How are they treating the people that we are benefiting from? UPS workers are unionized. And thanks to the Teamsters, their drivers just won a game-changing contract. FedEx workers are not unionized. And of course, USPS workers are unionized too. So as we're, you know, holiday shipping and all of that, that's a good time to kind of think about it. Anna, thank you so much for listening. I also like that Anna said, I'm grateful for y'all. You are, you guys are my happy tonic. I like that. That's pretty sweet. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. (laughs) But thank you, Anna and Matt Desmond again for joining us last week. Listeners, before we get into this episode, I want to thank all of you who send us fan mail, who reach out on social media. We love to read these things. We read them all. All the messages, all the tweets, all the DMs. Keep them coming. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com is our email address. Vibecheck at Stitcher.com. With that, let's jump right in. The water's fine. <laughs> no, it's it. not, bitch. It's cold. It's super cold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so first up, we're going to talk about Diddy and the slew of lawsuits that have been filed in the state of New York. But before we get into that, just a heads up, a quick trigger warning. We're going to be discussing some sensitive topics related to violence, sexual abuse, and misogyny. If right now is not the time for you to engage in this convo, turn us off, skip ahead. The next convo with Elon Musk will be maybe more accessible for right now. But always take care of yourself when listening to the show, so do that right now if you need to. All right. Last week, the singer Cassie Ventura, who's also just known as Cassie, filed a civil lawsuit against music mogul and ex-boyfriend Sean Diddy Combs under the now-expired New York Adult Survivors Act, alleging that he sexually abused her extensively during their 11-year-long relationship. So this act, which most of us had no idea existed until last week, is very interesting. And activists are calling it a form of restorative justice, which I love. I love any form of restorative justice. And the reason for that is because this act allows for the statute of limitation that many victims or survivors had passed in their own cases to have a look back window. Meaning that if something happened to you years ago, if you were over 18, you could come back and have that case looked into civilly. So it's increased the length of the statute in many cases. What is the longest amount of time under this act that you can look back to file a lawsuit? To my knowledge, there is no, um, you know, you just have to be above 18. It can go back as far as you can, but it did expire on Thanksgiving. The act expired. Okay. Okay. The act is over. But what is amazing is that statute of limitations, if you're not familiar, is the most basic term. If you go through something, it is the window in which you can bring a suit against someone, either criminally or civilly. Statutes exist 
in favor of the defendants being accused because the longer time passes, according to legal experts, the harder it is to defend a case. So under our current law, everyone's innocent until proven guilty, which is why it's stacked that way. If you're wondering, why does this exist? Yeah, and and kind of like mm-hmm. the predicament is then, particularly in the case of sexual assault, the moment you are assaulted, essentially, legally, a clock is ticking. Yep, yeah where you would need to formally introduce charges to begin the justice process. Yeah. But of mm-hmm. course, sexual assault, sexual violence, it's very traumatic. You could still be in a relationship with this person. This person could still be your boss. It could have happened mm-hmm. at a time when you didn't understand what was taking mm-hmm. place was a violation of the law, you know? And so the clock could you be You might ticking. not remember it for a very yeah. long time. You might not remember. Yeah. There's, there's mitigating factors. So many things could happen. So you might have been incarcerated at the time that you were assaulted. So a legal clock is ticking. You're running out of time. But also, of course, it often takes people a long time to kind of want to do that work, that yes. legal work. And so long story short, this act says the clock doesn't tick. You can exactly. go back in your life as far as you need to to make these claims, even if it happened long, 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 long ago. Yes. However, even though this act stopped the clock from ticking, the act had a clock on itself. Yep. Oh, this it act right. expired. Exactly. It and it expired, expired what, last week? Yeah, Friday. end of last week, so the holiday weekend. Okay. And in the end of this week, we saw a flurry of suits filed to get in before it expired to get in before it expired and i'm gonna circle back to something Saeed said because that is so important in the context in which we are going to dive in here today and it's that many survivors of abuse you know it's really a complicated situation this could be their lover and their boss and a family member it could be a lot of things at once which prevent you from really finding justice in the ways that you may need and cassie's suit is kind of the epitome of that mm-hmm. cassie's lawsuit detailed very long and very extensive accounts of sexual abuse from Diddy while he was not only just her boyfriend, but also her boss Mm -hmm. beginning at 19 Mm -hmm. years old, which makes things very, very complicated for her. And she was 19 for me as a child. That's a young person. And that's when he began. And when she was 19, he was 37. So yeah, Yeah. just in terms of, Mm. from before we even know the details, the power imbalance, your boss is over a decade older than you. Two decades older than you, I guess. 18 yeah. years, yeah. Yeah, and as your boss. Not just your boss, but one of the most powerful people in the entire industry in which you were getting started. Yikes. Exactly. So Diddy, when the suit was filed, settled it within 24 hours, which is For like a of. lot of money, for like 30-something 30 30 million, million dollars. And this was just the beginning for him because two other women came forward and filed suits immediately in the wake of the suit. And what's interesting to the point we made earlier, this was the deadline. And when Cassie filed, we did see a ton of other people file. And that's what's really important to, before we dive into this conversation. You know, people speaking out, people who are brave enough or able enough to speak out do inspire others to come forward because mm-hmm. they do show them how to access systems that they may not have been aware of. When this act in New York was passed, most people had no idea and they had to release a campaign months ago to get people to realize that the deadline was coming. So in the wake of this, of the PR around this and also the high-profile cases, New York City Mayor Eric Adams has been accused in a lawsuit. Jamie Foxx, former Governor Andrew Cuomo mm. has one. Singer Axel Rose, mm. Bill Cosby has another, and there are more. Altogether, over 3,000 suits, according to the New York Times as of two days ago, wow. have been filed in New York. And that does not include the 10 thousand under the child victims act which is very similar but for huh. people under 18 so that's a combined 13,000 new cases inside i'd love to throw to you 
Yeah, I wanted to share some context because, of course, you know, the big names, Mayor Eric Adams, Donald Trump, Eugene Carroll's lawsuit, Mm -hmm. right, that she recently won was done under this law, certainly Diddy. But I'm interested in, you know, the people who are not celebrities, like what's going on there. So according to The Guardian, of the 2,587 electronic filings in New York state courts under the ASA by the end of last week, more than half of them were prison-related claims against the state, with hundreds Mm. of additional filings naming the New York City's Department of Corrections. This is a quote from former inmate Alexandria Johnson, who says she was raped multiple times while incarcerated in state prison in New York City jail. For so long, I didn't have a voice, and it didn't matter. I thought, like, who was I? I have to keep forward because there are so many stories, so many not just mine. So it's it's a good example of... You know, the celebrity aspect of this, you know, leads to a certain kind of discussion. And, and let's talk about that. But, but the celebrity aspect of this is important because often what happens is a woman like Alexandria could see E. Jean Carroll get justice and go, huh, interesting. Or maybe, as, as Zach pointed out, maybe people didn't even know about this window until there's a high profile news story and they go, oh, maybe I should talk to someone. So that's, it's an interesting relationship between the high profile and kind of everyday people who maybe aren't celebrities. Yeah. I'm thinking two big things in this conversation. One, Zach, you highlighting all of the cases that are coming to the forefront <laughs> as this bill expires, points out the reality here is that there's so much of this kind of abuse that no one ever hears about. And it's much more widespread than we think. And so it's a reminder for us to look for warning signs around ourselves. There's a good chance that there's some partner abuse happening in one of your circles and you just don't realize it yet. This is a moment for us to think about how to be aware. Second point, I think about Cassie and her career and how closely she was tethered to Diddy for so long. You know, she had that debut single, Me and You, back when I was maybe in like college. And then for like 10 or 15 years after that, she was just around Diddy. And I remember she would like be dressed up on a red carpet, just standing next to him, but he would be dating someone else and have some other Mm -hmm. like mom for his kids or whatever. And I think about how she looks now, standing, quiet, muted, next to this abuser and it's like oh even though it was money and glitz and glamour and she was on a red carpet we were looking at a woman who who was if these allegations are true who was being sexually trafficked yeah we're watching sex trafficking you know on a red carpet for the last 15 years yeah some examples that i think are so striking one if you're familiar with Cassie, you'll know at one point she kind of debuted on the red carpet, as Sam is putting out, like a mohawk kind of buzz cut, kind of, you know, kind of look fierce, futuristic haircut. And then you read the the lawsuit and it turns out it was because he had ripped out her hair. Ugh. Mm. And 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 I remember, mm. you know, and it's just really striking. I mean, Cassie is is a very beautiful person, and you know, is a celebrity. So it's just that there's something. I guess it's cognitive dissonance because I remember, you know, it was like fashion magazines and style blogs mm-hmm. are talking about her new hairstyle and da da. Do we like it? Do we not like it? And to realize that in private, this was a 
a victim enduring an act of violence and trying to make the best of it. The lawsuit, the actual lawsuit, the legal document had a trigger warning on it mm-hmm. in red ink. Wow. I've Which never seen I've that never before. Seen, ever. So, wow. so it was like Zach's trigger. This is not, you know, I was like, this is serious. So if you want to read the allegations by all means, but I'm trying to be discerning in what I'm choosing. But another example, often Diddy would send her on what looked like luxurious paid vacations. And she might post about it on social, you know, beautiful pictures at, you know, beautiful resorts and stuff. And then the lawsuit's like, yeah, he was sending her on these beautiful paid vacations to recover from the injuries he had inflicted upon her. You know, so another instance, think about how we how we use social media to make assumptions about the lives of other people. We go, oh, look at her. She's by a pool. Oh, another spa. Mm -hmm. What does she have? You know, she's the luckiest person in the world. And it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, so I think you're right. And I guess one of the lessons I would take from this in terms of the celebrity aspect First of all, the obvious thing mm-hmm. that Sam's saying, we don't know what's going on in other people's lives. But what we do know, as Sam is pointing out, is that we are survivors and we live alongside survivors and abusers. And so when you log on to Twitter or Facebook or TikTok and da-da-da, and you're making fun of women there like Megan Thee Stallion or men or anyone who's been... When you're or making fun or mocking or, yeah, Kiki Palmer, undermining survivors who have bravely come for why did she wait until the last minute you are mocking the survivors who live amongst you yeah. and they might not say it but they're watching you and it's it's this cycle because then people are like well why didn't this person come forward why didn't they speak out because they're like yeah because they saw how you talked about other people who've yeah. been through yeah. similar shit and, and they felt like well that's one less person i can trust you know and and mm-hmm. to give people actual numbers and i think about this so much you know i spent a lot of my career writing about violence, a lot of it was an intimate partner violence because mm-hmm. people don't realize most homicides, a majority of them are uh. through an intimate partner uh. a lot of times. Oops, wow. It's trans murders. A lot of them are mm-hmm. a lover who doesn't want to be found out that kills. So mm-hmm. a lot of the work I did for years was kind of this Venn diagram. And there were just so many stories. And here are some numbers that really haunt me. And they're from the National Coalition of Domestic Violence. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in oh the United God. States of America oh alone. Per minute? During, per minute. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million people. One in mm. four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence and partner violence during their lifetime. And one in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence from an intimate partner alone mm. at some point, mm. if you ask them today. So if you're at dinner, a brunch of 10, think about that. You walk down the street, every few people you pass, that's someone. So I think we have mm-hmm. to begin to understand that we live in a culture of violence, a culture in which we have survivors mm. who aren't able to come forward. And that's what makes this act so, so big and so huge for people. The reality yeah. is that like, if you can't in your head name a survivor that you know personally, you need to sit with that. Because you yeah. do know survivors. It just means they just don't you don't have you the kind of relationship. It. Yeah, they don't. And that's that's uncomfortable. But I think that's important work to go, huh? You know, same thing. Like, I don't know any LGBT people. Yes, you do. Yes, yes you, you do. do. You always do. <laughs> you always yeah. do. Well, we're going to leave it there for now. But please write into us. Ask us questions. We'll continue this conversation in various ways through our show because we're, yeah. we're very interested in helping people have space to tell the yeah. truth. And we're just really proud of Cassie for being able to come forward. Yeah. 
Also, last tidbit, if you or someone you know is dealing with this type of violence, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 800-799-7233. 800-799-7233. You can also, if you want, text the word START to 88788. 88788. Because there's so much queer erasure when we talk about intimate partner mm-hmm. violence, I'd like to recommend In the Dream House by Carmen Maria Machado. It's about many things, but it's also about queer intimate partner violence, how rarely it's discussed, why mm. that's the case. And again, you know, if if you can't even think of kind of pop cultural or like high profile news examples that align with your own experiences, it can be difficult for you to identify and name what's happening to you. And so I, mm-hmm. I think that's a helpful book yeah. in the dream house. So, such a good book right. to recommend. All right. Well, it's time for us to take a quick break, but stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. You're still listening to Vibe Check, and we're going to switch gears now to sad drum roll, please. Sad, sad drum roll. <laughs> Elon Musk, as Saeed mm-hmm. Jones calls him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh. Elon Musk is in the news this week, and we're going to use that news peg to talk about what life has been like after one year plus of his reign at Twitter, now X. Elon is in the news this week because he went to Israel. Y'all see this? God. Elon went to Israel. On top of everything else. (laughs) With everything going on right now. Everything going on. Yeah. Elon went to Israel, met with Benjamin Netanyahu. And this comes after Elon was accused of being anti-Semitic through his tweets and after advertisers began to pull out over the anti-Semitism. Quick note on that, at least a dozen major brands halted ad spending as of last Wednesday, including Disney, IBM, Fox Sports, even the European Commission. All of this happened because in a tweet, Elon agreed with a statement saying that Jewish communities push, quote, hatred against whites. It was a mess. Even the White House came out against it. And then in another tweet, seemingly pushing replacement theory, a very, very bad theory, Musk tweeted, quote, you have said the actual truth. Wild, wild, wild. So as part of his cleanup tour, he is in Israel with Bibi. He has visited a destroyed kibbutz. He has met with some hostages. What do we make of this, this y'all? Wild. Just, just the trip first. There's other Twitter stuff, but first the trip. Before we even began, I was like, what has Elon been tweeting today? Because I was interested because he is in Israel doing some really high profile things. And guess what he's tweeting about? Pizzagate. What? Memes about Pizzagate while there. <laughs> what is, what is going on? This <laughs> there is, listen, I none of it makes any sense. No, that? I think the it only way no I rationalize it is we do know there is a stickiness 
and an engagement factor to being far right on the internet and posting things that are mm-hmm. absurd and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And he has engineered a profile, especially through this like influencer program where people are paid based on engagement. So it's not even about quality engagement. You can just troll and then you'll make money doing that way. So he's under he understands like the stickiness of his platform, which is now just hate. He's just amplifying it and amplifying conspiracy theories and all those conversations and doesn't care about the ethical parts of this, just cares about yeah. the uh, the end goal of making sure that people spend more time on his app, even though if they're there just to watch it burn down. So that's why I rationalize his ridiculousness because it is really unhinged. Yeah. My first yeah. thought was there were dozens of advertisers left on Twitter Come at on this now. point. <laughs> Look, I still use yeah. the app sparingly, but I'm, I am there and, and we can talk about why why that's still the case. But... It's already <laughs> so bad. And yeah. and part of what we've been talking, actually Brandon and I were talking about this last night um, over drinks, social media is infrastructure. And he has done such mm-hmm. damage to media mm-hmm. infrastructure. So it's especially galling that what's happening in Gaza is already a stress test for issues like media literacy, democracy, you know, information, disinformation. It's like, you're the problem. What's the Taylor mm-hmm. with Me? I'm the problem. It's me. It's like, <laughs> you, why me. the fuck are you there? Like, oh, so yes. he's like well, him going yeah. to the heart of it and then meeting with, you know, a far-right politician who uh, just, uh, yikes, is what well, I've got. and like, this is the second time in recent history in which Elon has tried to insert himself into international affairs. Mm-hmm. Lest we forget, he calls himself supplying free internet satellites to Ukrainian military forces as that war began through his company. But then he said, actually, psych, I'm going to pull out unless you pay me. He was affecting people on the ground. And didn't he find out he also throttled like some drones? Or, like he was, he was yeah, actually yes. influencing? And he was calling Putin. And he <laughs> yep. was calling Putin during all yep. of this. So that doesn't so bode when well I look for at this. That, yeah. When I look at this mm. and him meeting with Bibi, it's like, all right, what is Elon's game? What is his end game? One, he wants all of us to pay as much attention to him as possible. Yes. And two, I think he fashions himself as a world leader and he wants that in some capacity, whether he runs for office or something else. And that creeps me out. It's very creepy. And I'm realizing, you know, years ago when I worked at Grinder, I had this aha moment of seeing how many people we actually had on the app. You know, at the time it was like, let's say 5 million every day, use the app for an hour, which is wow. a substantial country. For an hour. For an hour. And <laughs> then we people, looked at my other people. Other the point people. is to get on and get yeah. off. Get, get on <laughs> and get off. But no, they're just getting on and staying on. <laughs> but I quickly, due to being in this tech space and having to go to Silicon Valley and speak at conferences, I realized that so many tech leaders do run country-sized companies of people, of information. Mm-hmm. And that's Facebook where I is became, a country. Is a country. country. And and that's where I did agree deeply during the last two election cycles ago when Senator Warren was asking to break up a lot of these companies or at least, you know, monitor them like they are a country or whatever. And Elon is now acting like a dictator. He has a very powerful country, Mm -hmm. which is Twitter, just a lot of people. And he has a lot of eyeballs and a lot of ears. And he is just choosing, whether it's Twitter or Tesla or whatever, how to activate and deploy these resources without any checks and balances. It's not a democracy. It is a dictatorship. And I want out of the dictatorship that is Elon Musk. I also just, one more point regarding 
the government of Israel. You know, you can read articles from Rolling Stone or Politico. Israel floods social media to shape opinion around mm-hmm. the war. Since Hamas's attack, Israel has pushed dozens of online ads, including graphic videos to millions of people on like every social media platform. So given his own very public bias that he's increasingly kind of leaning further and further into the right. And that's Elon Musk I'm talking about here. It's concerning that he, you know, is spending time with this government that clearly has like a, a pretty strong investment in using platforms like X to to shape opinion around the mm-hmm. war. That's just, it's it, it's concerning. But you're right. He, I, I think whether he actually wants to be a actual political leader or just realizes he can become a de facto global leader by inserting himself and his influence into each of these geopolitical incidents. Yeah, he gets in it and then you can't get rid of him. You know, there was a great New Yorker profile of Elon Musk's outside influence in the war in Ukraine. And basically, once he had inserted himself into this situation with the satellites, you had government officials, high-ranking U.S. officials saying, well, we have to call Elon before we do anything because he's so involved now. We have to call Elon. He inserts himself so much you can't get rid of him. Anywho, I want to pivot from his political ambitions or foreign policy goals and talk about how we're also at a moment in which we're a full year and a few weeks into the reign of Elon Musk at Twitter slash X. According to Variety, a year after Elon bought that company, X's monthly users are down 15%, and ad revenue on that platform has slumped by 54%. This is massive. This is major. I feel like Twitter is dying or at least morphing into something drastically different than what it was just a few years ago. I want to talk about what happens when we lose that, at least briefly, because I remember old Twitter, and it was a big part of my life and my day and my career, and it was really enjoyable at times. I'm thinking of llama Twitter. I'm thinking of what color is the dress Twitter. I'm thinking so you're of thinking 2014, Twitter. basically. 2014, yeah, 2015. that's gone on top of the breaking news resources that Twitter used to provide. I know how y'all feel, but tell me how you're feeling now that it's gone. It's pretty much gone. It's so gone, but I've hit the moment of, I don't know what stage of, you know, grief or whatever that is. But like, I don't even think about it as much as I used to. Twitter used Mm. to occupy my entire like psychic abilities every day. I woke up in the morning. It was the first place I went. It was the first place I went. It was the last place I went. I hosted a show on Twitter. Saeed hosted a show on Twitter. Twitter was the pulse of news. It was everything mm-hmm. for us. Now, I have no idea. I was in New York at Raquel Wills' book event for her new book, The Risk It Takes to Bloom, which was wonderful. It's her memoir. And um, someone came up to me and asked me about some news. And I said, what are you talking about? And they go, you must not be on Twitter. And I had never been so proud in my life. <laughs> I was like, I am not part of the conversation <laughs> anymore. Because the conversation yeah. now is just so awful and terrible and there's no community it's just i get more far right content than i've ever gotten in my life i kept waiting for a while for another space to fill the void it seems like it's not gonna happen you know blue sky wants that said you like blue sky but it's not nearly mm-hmm. as big as twitter was is yeah so the thing is oh first of all i remember like a couple of weeks ago actually on blue sky i was lamenting i just i was like i miss twitter i hate that he did this i hate that i've been forced to and and someone on blue side said look all scenes die <laughs> eventually all you know like club scenes whatever it all kind of comes to an end at some point just understand that's a cycle but but also 
I, I've been reflecting on that. All social social media cycles in terms of how people move on from them, it's not a not a monolith. So when I was teaching high school in 2010, I remember being surprised how how at the time so many students of mine in Newark, 99% black school, they were still using MySpace predominantly. Oh. And I was like, who the hell is still on MySpace? They were. These babies were, they they were starting to use Facebook, which you know, I think a lot of us assumed at that point was already dominant, but not for this community. You know, they were hmm. still using MySpace. And so now I feel like we're seeing a kind of moment of that divergence where, yeah, a lot of people, and you can infer who those types of people are, are like, Twitter is over, I'm gone, I've whatever. But then I log on and conversations about things regarding, like, for example, Diddy. Or Kiki Palmer, when it was announced a few weeks ago that Usher is going to do the halftime show, the Super Bowl, you know, all over Twitter. Because Black users are still really mm. active on there, you know. And mm. look, America is a burning house. Yeah. And we figured out how to breathe in it. So I don't think it's that unusual (laughs) that perhaps Black users online have a different relationship to, you know, toxic spaces, you know, and and I guess we could, that could be a whole thesis project. But yeah, I will say you're right. I think there's no going back. There's no resetting the clock. For a long time, I thought maybe we could just like wait out Elon, (laughs) but I I don't think that's how it's going to go. And then alternatives like Blue Sky, it's invitation only which says mm-hmm. a lot and there are not a lot of black users on there and i think that's a that's an interesting yeah. and threads contract. has not really launched in the way that they hope like user usage has fell off a cliff right yeah. it was like a really good well, three-day weekend and then everybody yeah. stopped yeah using yeah we have to wrap but i want to end with kind of a question i've been asking of myself and of the internet right now uh, as we watch twitter do whatever the hell it's doing People are writing about this and talking about it, but it's like the larger question for me is, are we entering just a different era of social internet that is more decentralized, that is more of a wild, wild west, and that is less likely to have one platform everyone goes to every day? And if that is the case, how do I survive in that? I feel like it's coming. And and by survive, I mean, you rightfully, it's like, how do I find news information I can count on? Exactly. Culture is so important. So having a sense of the conversations that are going on, yeah, it is important. It's going to be different. It's going to be very different. And I read the Semaphore Ben Smith weekly newsletter. I will come out as a, an avid reader of it every Sunday. Ben Smith created BuzzFeed, worked with Saeed, he worked with me, but he's a person in media that has a lot of thoughts on media. And he wrote in his newsletter this week about the fragmentation. And what I did agree with him on is that due to, there's not like a one space, one timeline anymore, there's many, it does allow for the internet to return to being a space of surprise, like it was in the late 90s, where you would get on, you, no one was going to the same place at all hmm. times. So you could actually find new things and find delight. And there's like a way in which creator communities are expanding really rapidly and can have their own kind of statehoods, really. Like, you know, there's a whole food area that has lots of different people in scale. So I don't know. That's the only thing I'm taking out of this. It's genuine. There is genuine surprise. And I'm surprised every time I get on Twitter. (laughs) That's a word for it. Yes. Listeners, tell us, how do you feel about this? The demise of Twitter slash X, the rise of new forms of social internet. Matter of fact, we couldn't get to it in this chat, but how do you feel about the kids, apparently, in this new version of internet, era of internet, using TikTok like they use Google. 
I am the obsessed. The kids are searching for oh things on the God. TikTok. Sam will not I, let this go. My sisters just brought it to go. me. It blew my mind. Any of my elder millennials, Gen Xers, or older listening, how do you feel about this? Email us to say. One more quick break. When we come back, recommendations. All right, my loves, we are back. And of course, before we end the show, we'd like to send you off with some recommendations for things, people, places, TikToks, who knows, that are helping us keep our vibes right. Uh, Zach, you want to get us started? Yeah, I'd love to. I'm going to recommend going to see Saltburn, the movie by Emerald oh. Fennell. She did Promise Young Woman, which was really great with Carrie Moore. Which I liked. Which I was did. really wonderful. It was kind of a fever dream. And also... Fits perfectly with today's conversation about women who have faced violence fighting back in a very different type of way. But watch that Actually, movie. Actually, I have. liked it until the very end. I agree. Which is the argument for Saltburn 2 by many people. They loved it. Oh, really? <laughs> oh okay. So, okay. Uh, what I like about Salt Saltburn is it's kind of like in the vein of Cruel Intentions. If you love Cruel Intentions, mm. it's a very sexy movie. Uh-huh. Rich kids behaving badly and Rich fucking kids behaving away. bad. Yeah, it's like if you loved Atonement and all of those Wuthering Heights. I don't Heights. think anyone loved Atonement. Oh my I God. I love that green dress that. though. But anyway, if you love that genre, you know, the gothic English genre, it's a really great film. Jacob Elordi looks hotter than ever, which we love. But the movie isn't perfect. Wesley Morris has the most scathing review of it in the New York Times oh, right now. So do my. other people. But I think it's okay. a return to us talking a lot about movies and everyone will have an opinion watching it. And there's a scene with a bathtub that sits with Ooh. you forever. Per, I'm excited to oh. see it. This is good, you know, to kind of temper my expectations. But it has my Caucasian queen, Rosamund Pike in it. Who's Love incredible her. in it? She, she really is. She brings she really it to is you. That white Every woman. Ball. She is she, that she white does woman. It. She does it. She and, oof, Saeed, no you're gonna she eats no crumbs. Okay. She I love could, she devours. You, you could just watch the movie of her and it would okay. be worth wow. it. Mood. At the end of the and then no, um, it. I don't know how to say his last name. I should learn because I like Keoghan? him very Keoghan? Oh, yeah, Keoghan. He's great. And he's so hot, which is confusing because his character is supposed to be a nerd no one likes, but he takes off his shirt and he's naked a lot. Like fully Ooh. naked. Oh, in they're the naked in this movie? Fully, okay. no prosthetics. Right. Fully Saltburn. naked. Saltburn is a great and title too. It's such a great title. I know it's, music, like it's supposed to be like the name the of the estate. The trailer was great. I saw the trailer. The trailer's oh. great. And also it's set in 2006, 2007 era and the music oh. is from there. So there's lots of MGMT Ooh. and other things like I that. I might so. go see that. To MGMT, oh, yeah. take me back, mm-hmm. baby. Okay. Yeah. It's oh. Listen, it's all vibes, no real plot depth. So okay. just dive in. Sometimes okay. that works. Yep. <laughs> Listen, take an edible and go to the movies, baby. Oh, yep. Ooh, that sounds fun, actually. Okay, uh, Sam, what's your recommendation? <laughs> I was going to recommend any number of movies. We are now in Watch All the Movies season here in LA because we're getting ready for the Oscars yeah. and the other award shows. And a bunch of my yeah. friends who are in the random guilds and groups are inviting me to their screenings to see these movies. It's been great. Actually, just this weekend, I saw that new Nicolas Cage movie that's delightful. It's called Dream Scenario. He is a random middle-aged college professor who all of a sudden starts appearing in everyone's dreams. (gasps) Everyone's. And at first it's good, and then it's bad. And then he has to face the threat of cancellation over dreams. 
it's amazing. That's, what a concept. It's so good. And Nicolas Cage is a national treasure. That man can act he when he really wants is. to. But I don't want to recommend that. What I want to recommend <laughs> is a dish. Wait. <laughs> so a dish? Uh, leave it in, Chantel. Leave it in, Chantel. No, no, because this dish changed my life. One of the dishes... It better connect to this damn movie. No, it doesn't. It doesn't connect season. to the movie. Kind of moment. I mean, I guess it's just like another white person I like. I don't know. But like, <laughs> Tracy, one of the dishes... One of the dishes Tracy served at her beautiful Thanksgiving dinner last week was this amazing pot of short ribs. And so I'm eating the short ribs and I'm like, these are incredible. And my Aunt Betty's eating the short ribs and she can cook. And she's like... These are some of the best short ribs I've ever had in my life. And this is a woman raised in Birmingham, Alabama, who can cook and throw down soul food. So we're like, how to do these short ribs? And I'm like, oh, you do a little dry brine for like two days and you do this, then you do that, then you do that. And I was like, I got to make the short rib. And, and I was like, what's in it? And I was like, oh, it's tangy and sweet and there's soy sauce and other things. And I was like, this is some of the best short rib I've had in my life. And finally, I was like, send me the recipe. Tell me who did it. Y'all. Allison Roman. I knew you were going there. Allison I, Roman. When you began saying Allison short Roman. Rib, I was about to be like, Sam, you may not be on TikTok, but you have TikTok basic taste because short oh. rib has taken over TikTok because Allison Roman is the beginning and end for a lot of these influencers. So it is a wonderful, something. easy, perfect recipe, but it is Let me tell you Allison something. Roman, who is wonderful. I know well, she I was caught like. up in some drama a few years ago. I don't know or even at this point care who she did to anybody else. Allison Roman's short ribs spoke to me. So <laughs> listeners, if you're trying to cook something really good, Google Allison Roman's tangy braised short ribs recipe. And once you set your short ribs to marinate and dry brine for two days, go see that Nick Cage movie. It's good. The look on Zach's face. Just, I don't just care. Both things total made me happy. Both he said, Sam Sanders, the basic TikTok bitch that you are. I ain't got nothing against <laughs> that woman, on TikTok. <laughs> which actually, the pipeline of basic TikTok bitch to watching TikToks on Instagram, that's pretty tight. <gasps> that's a struggle. <laughs> Ooh, Zach, tell me how you really feel about me. So yeah, two recommendations. Dream Scenario by Nicolas Cage. Short Ribs by Allison Roman. Two white folks that at least this week I'm fully getting behind. Let's move on. Said. My recommendation this week um, is from the poet Angel Nafis. She is a dear friend of, of years now. We actually met over a decade ago on the night of my first featured reading in New York City at Bar 13 and you know, just off of Union Square. She was there. I also met my friend Adam Faulkner that night. So, you know, I love that. Um, Angel is also a Sagittarius. And I just wanted to bring kind of the, the, the fierce optimism, the defiant freedom of the Sagittarius sign into the reading. Her poem is Gravity. You can find it if you Google Gravity by Angel Nafis on the Poetry Foundation's website. It's in two parts. I'm only going to read the second half for the sake of time, but I guess I would say, and it's divided, like, part one is the straw, <laughs> and part two is the camel's back, which is a pretty clever way to break up a poem. I would say the it's inspired, it's after Carrie Mae Weems' The Kitchen Table series, which if you're familiar with that mm -hmm. iconic photography series, you're like, okay, vibes. But the first half, I guess I would say, is, you know, like a list, a litany of microaggressions that the speaker is just kind of dealing with. And then the second half is like the speaker, I would say, pushing back quite beautifully. Again, the poem is Gravity by Angel Nafis. Know her. This is so fun. Part two, 
the camel's back. When you born on somebody else's river and a cursed boat, it's all downhill from there. Ha, <laughs> just kidding. I tell you I don't have time for, but I don't have time. Catch up, interrogate that. Boss, Halo, I juke the apocalypse. Fluff my feathers, diamond my neck, boom, like an 808. One in a million. I don't want no scrubs. You don't know my name. Everything I say is a spell. I'm 25. I'm 90. I'm 10. I'm a moonless charcoal, a sour lover, hidden teeth beneath the velvet. I'm here. And your eyes? Lucky. I'm here. And your future? Lucky. Ha! God told me to tell you I'm pretty. Ha! My skin might as touch the buildings I walk by. Ha! Every day I'm alive, the weather reports say gold. I know, I know, I should leave y'all alone. Salt earth like to stay salty. But here go the mirror, egging on my spirit. Why I can't go back, or the reasons it happened. Name like a carriage of fire. Baby, it's real. The white face peeking through the curtain. Mule and God. I'm blunted off my own stank. I'm bad. I dig graves when I laugh. That was so fun to hear you read that. Also, it's like so you reading fun. live. That was all one take, everybody. There was no edits. That was just Saeed <laughs> going. I was reading along while you read and was just like, yes, 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 yes. My favorite line hidden teeth beneath the velvet mm -hmm. Woo! soft that's beautiful good. but i can bite back that's good and i will reiterate if you are a person like some of our friends that have come to me who said i didn't really know how to read poetry until i became friends with saeed you should re-listen to side reading poetry every week and read along, and read along. it will teach you the mechanics of poetry <laughs> it's really fun <laughs> so fun and i just think yeah. you know all the I try to find poems, not just that I love, that I but that I think will increase your love of poetry. Um, especially people who say like I don't get it, and it's like, yeah, look, this is out here. These are these are people alive now, doing great work every day. And yeah, read it out loud to yourself. It's fun. Angel Nafis, girl, you're my favorite mystery. Gravity, that's her poem. So, listeners, what are you feeling or not feeling this week? What's your vibe? Mad love to all the Sagittariuses. Let us know how your season is going, my dears. Check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend and then another friend. Huge thank you to our producer, Chantel Holder, engineer Sam Kiefer, and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Um, also, shout out to Chantel Holder's mama, who listens every week. We love you. We love you. Yeah. Also, special thanks to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stincher and Brandon Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. And a big thanks to our intern, Julia Russo. Listeners want to hear from you. Do not forget, you can email us whenever vibecheck at stitcher.com vibecheck at stitcher.com also keep in touch with us on instagram probably not x just insta i'm at sam sanders zach is at zach staff there's an h on that zach and saeed is at the ferocity all right use the hashtag vibecheckpod if you post about the show and irl in real life tell a friend about vibecheck 
grab their phone from them and subscribe to the show. For Whoa. Them. Wow. Ooh, do that. Okay. Be bold. Oh, actually, and shout out to the young woman um, who like saw me on my flight from New York last night. I was like, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of you. I loved your earrings. Yeah. All right. Have a good love week. It. <laughs> Anywho. Yes. Listeners. Love you. Meet it. We'll talk next week. Bye. 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 Stitcher.